I'm doing my best and I'm trying to be like them, but it's just not working out. So I was like, there's something missing. Mm-hmm. And um, so I wanted to be kind of the opposite of that. I wanted to be completely open with absolutely every cent that I'm spending, making any legs up I get. I just wanted to be really, really transparent. There is no doubt that you can live your passion and be economically stable. In this day and age, we all have the power to shape our own life. The only thing in question is how you get there. Nobody Comes Here to Hide shares the stories of thriving Black creatives living their passion. By listening to their journeys, you can envision your own. Their stories showcase the many ways to achieve one's dreams because your journey to success is rarely what you'd imagine. Today I have with me a fire blogger with a snarky and insightful style of writing that I love. Hi, Purple Life. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's the weekend. (laughs) Yes, indeed it is. So let's start things off here. What was your first exposure to fire or financial independence? My first exposure was actually through my partner in 2013, and he learned about it through Reddit, surprisingly. Hmm. Um, He was poking around on the personal finance subreddit, and someone mentioned that there is a financial independence subreddit. So he went down the rabbit hole and then was all excited and came to me and was like, "This, these people are retiring in their 30s and 40s. This is possible. Maybe we should go for this. And at the time, I was like, no, it's okay. (laughs) Because (laughs) my mom had retired at 55. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was just a vague goal I had. And at the time I was in my early twenties. So that was over 30 years away. And I was like, I don't need to think about this right now. Even if I don't think about it, I can still do what my mom did since she didn't even start investing in stocks until she was 40. Like, why are you bothering me about this? I'm trying to enjoy my twenties. So I ignored him for those two years. And then, um, I had just kept job hopping for various reasons. My first job was really toxic. Mm-hmm. So I quit it without having a backup plan, which was a little wild because I was paying Manhattan rent at the time mm. and did not have a large emergency fund, but I just couldn't stand it anymore. And it was taking a toll on my health and uh, my partner and my mom was like, just quit. This is nothing's worth this. So I did. Um, anyway, so I kept job hopping and I kept telling myself that if I kept looking and I kept an up-to-date list of what I wanted out of a job, I would find it. I would find my dream job and I would be okay working until I was 55 because Mm -hmm. everyone talks about the perfect job is out there. You just haven't found it yet. Right. And then I actually got that dream job in 2015. It checked off all the boxes I was looking for and I still didn't want to keep doing it for 30 years. So (laughs) I was like, what was that you were talking about? Financial what? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I looked a little further into it and realized that my first introduction, I hadn't gone very deep into my research at all, Mm -hmm. but my first introduction to it was incorrect. Basically, I had skimmed over people's blogs and stuff, and I was like, oh, what are they doing? Oh, they're spending so little money. Once again, I was living in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. Most of these people were not. So I was like, oh, I can't spend that little. Oh, I don't make a lot. Oh, this isn't possible. Whatever. And Mm -hmm. I just dismissed it. Um, But when I looked in deeper, I realized a lot of these bloggers, as an example, Mm -hmm. were finding a nice balance between figuring out how much money they need to be happy and then just saving the rest. So they weren't sacrificing current happiness for future happiness or anything like that, which I had assumed incorrectly. So um, I dug into it, realized actually 
I can do this. I can do this. And at the time I calculated 10 years with my current salary and even paying my Manhattan rent. So mm. I thought that was a good balance between, okay, I found my dream job, but I still don't want to keep doing it so I can do it for 10 years and then I can do whatever I want. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your process for that initial plan? Process? Um, you mean the math or? I mean, yeah. How did you go about not, you don't necessarily need to get into the specifics of it, although mm-hmm. I guess that's probably useful. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just how did you, how did you make a plan? Mm-hmm. Um, well, it started by figuring out what I was spending, which uh-huh. can be difficult. And at the time, I really didn't know. Um, I had used Mint.com just in the background of my life, but it's um, not very actionable advice, even though I hate that word. Actually, <laughs> um, It doesn't change my behavior. I was just like, oh, I spent more than I meant to this month. Oh, well, and just keep going. So I actually started using YNAB or You Need a Budget um, and figuring out what I'm spending, what I could tweak without affecting my lifestyle in a negative way. Um, and then I made a little, those little adjustments. And after doing that and getting a rein on what I was spending month to month, it looked like I was spending about $35,000 a year. And at the time I was making 68. Um, mm-hmm. and I calculated that if we left Manhattan, I could without changing my lifestyle and actually possibly getting a better lifestyle, um, I could decrease my costs to about $20,000. And um, at the same time, I could make about 85K. And um, do all that that would require was moving. So we made a spreadsheet of where we could move that I could command that kind of salary with that kind Mm -hmm. of cost of living. And um, we decided to move across the country to Seattle to do so. And so we did that at the, in the middle of 2015 when I was starting my journey mm-hmm. and um, I was able to get that 85K salary. I've actually been spending about $18,000, surprisingly, mm-hmm. having a much better life over here. Our apartment is like two or three times the size of our Manhattan one and half yeah, the cost. Right. <laughs> um, we live in the middle of the city so I can walk to Pike's Place Market. Well, when it's open, when we don't mm-hmm. have the Rona, instead of paying a hundred plus dollars for a subway that I have to push my way onto. Mm-hmm. So that's how I made my overall plan. And then basically I just said, okay, well, if I spend this much and I make this much take out taxes, how much can I save? How much do I have left over? And that's how I got the 10 year timeline originally. But after moving and I kept job job hopping after we left um, New York and came to Seattle. So um, the next year I started making like, I think it was 102. Then the year after that, um, I actually stayed at the current job, but got a slight raise to 106. And now I'm making 110. Mm -hmm. So my um, income kept going up a little bit while my spending went lower than I expected. So I'm actually on track to retire this year, which is a little over five years after I started my plan. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say this. I don't like the energy of New York. (laughs) (laughs) It's tough. (laughs) It's a place I could visit, but the idea of being surrounded in that energy every day really Mm -hmm. makes me not feel good. (laughs) Yeah, and that's awesome you figured that out. I actually 
did not want to move to New York. Um, I graduated in 2011, and mm-hmm. the job market was still pretty depressed, even though we were a while out from 2008. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of my friends and recent graduates had very little luck finding jobs. So I only got, after looking for a year or a year and a half, um, while I was still in school, I only got one job offer and it was in New York. So I moved there because I (laughs) needed to eat. New York did grow on me. It was kind of a an uh, inverted U-curve. Like I hated it. And then Uh I started liking it a little bit because I love food Uh and I love walking. So it is absolutely a fantastic and fascinating place to walk through. I would walk maybe a hundred blocks and every 10 blocks or so the neighborhood completely changes and people that are hanging out completely. It's just so fascinating. It's like walking through different countries almost. Nice. After you came up with this plan and you were yourself pursuing fire, what prompted you to start a blog? So I originally started my blog privately. So it was basically an online journal that no one else had access to. And I started it just to keep myself accountable on my journey, really, like for myself, and also to remember what I was thinking and feeling throughout. Um, I've always loved cataloging everything. Um, In college, I started writing a journal of what I did every single day. And I did that for, I think, four or five years. once again, just for myself. So Mm -hmm. uh, that had tapered off when I was in New York and just trying to (laughs) feed myself. Um, So when I decided on this journey, I was like, this would be interesting if I just note down like how I've changed even in the first, well, couple months since I did um, learn about the the idea of fire two years before that, like how I've already changed so much. Mm-hmm. I already went from dismissing my partner when he brought up the idea to going full hog and <laughs> moving across the country partially for this goal. So like, what's that about? And I just thought it would be interesting for me to be able to look back on 20 years later when I've been retired for a decade or more to be like, what was that about? Yeah. So <laughs> that's what I did. Mm-hmm. And I wrote privately for three and a half years. And I was getting a little more active in the personal finance community. I started, I was a lurker for like the whole time, Hmm. just silently reading blogs and looking at personal finance, Twitter and stuff. I started um, responding to people on Twitter and liking their tweets. And one of those times I saw that there was going to be a fire meetup in Seattle and I went and I was so nervous, but it was so much fun. Um, and I met Mr. Money Mustache and Mad Scientist and a couple of local fire pursuers, which was really cool. And then um, a little while later, I once again saw that there was another meetup and I was like, okay, I can do this. My second one, I'm ready. I went and I met the ladies that were in charge of the Fire Drill podcast. Mm-hmm. And I had tweeted at them that I was coming. And so after that meetup, we talked for like five minutes and I was totally starstruck and fangirling. Mm-hmm. Um, later, I got a DM from one of them being like, do you want to get coffee sometime? So I freaked out because it's my, <laughs> my idols contacting uh-huh. me. And uh, we had coffee. Um, I randomly mentioned that I had been privately writing about my journey for three and a half years. Mm-hmm. And was starting to think maybe I should take it public just because I was realizing that I felt so much connection and inspiration from all these people that were putting their stories out there. So maybe I should just press, you know, go live. What's the difference? Um, I'd already heard that 
no one comments on blogs anymore. And like, <laughs> you'll feel like you're writing into the ether anyway. So I was like, I'm already writing to the ether. No different. Perfect. Right. <laughs> so I asked her, should I do that? She's like, yeah, what do you have to lose? I'm like, okay, great perspective. Nothing. Sure. Um, so I took my blog live July, 2018 and that was actually completely life-changing. People did in fact comment and reach out to me such as yourself. Mm -hmm. I've now um, expanded my friend group and most of my friends I met through the blog, which is ridiculous and amazing. So yeah, yeah that's why I decided to go for it. That's awesome. Um, in terms of going live with your blog, did you go through, did you learn about SEO? Did you try very hard to make it something that people would find or did you just feel like once I publish it, those who find it, find it? The latter. Mm. <laughs> um, I've always approached the blog as a complete and total hobby. So wow. if there's something that I don't find interesting, I don't do it. I do, honestly don't care if people read it or find it because it's for my future self, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I haven't uh, been that smart about SEO or any of that fun stuff, but I'm having a blast. So there's that. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. One thing that you're kind of vocal about is that you maintain your anonymity. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm wondering what freedom does that allow you? Um, the main freedom that allows me is to be completely transparent with my financial numbers, mm -hmm. which I personally find very helpful. And I actually wrote a post about this. I can send it to you if you want, um, because I'm much more articulate in writing than in speaking. But <laughs> I find it really helpful to get an entire financial picture of someone. Uh -huh. So, for example, in the past, I've read blogs where I am doing the math. I'm like, okay, they say they spend this much, but they won't tell me how much they make. They won't tell me if they got an inheritance or anything like that. It doesn't add up. How are they saving this much? Like, I'm, I'm doing my best and I'm trying to be like them, but it's just not working out. So I was like, there's something missing. Mm -hmm. And um, so I wanted to be kind of the opposite of that. I wanted to be completely open with absolutely every cent that I'm spending, making any legs up I get. If my mom and I split a vacation, like 60, 40 or whatever, I talk about mm -hmm. that on the blog. I just wanted to be really, really transparent. And that is, of course, a little difficult when I would link my name to the blog, because right. then if you Google my name, um, mm -hmm. it'll be like, oh, she has $440,000 as of yesterday. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, yeah. In order to maintain the kind of transparency I want um, and also keep myself safe, um, now in this world, you can Google someone's first name and find their address. So um, in order to be as transparent as I want, I decided to maintain my anonymity. And also that is kind of necessary while I still do have a full-time job. Um, mm -hmm. Seeing a countdown clock of when I'm going to quit will obviously not encourage my employer to keep giving me raises. <laughs> so yeah, that's where I am. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think it's honestly a brave choice in this particular state that we're in where personal branding is like blowing up right now and mm -hmm. everyone kind of wants to be a face mm -hmm. but I do feel like your blogs really resonate even though there's not a name behind it and it's mm -hmm. so much because there's you don't have to be careful necessarily about yeah. what you say well I'm glad it resonates <laughs> <laughs> it's also there's um 
kind of a spectrum of anonymity. Uh Um, And I'm not fully on the anonymous side. Like I mentioned, I do go to meetups. So you can see my face if you want in person. My, like I said, a lot of my friends are from the blog, so they know my name, but it's more like once you're in my inner circle, sure. Once I know that you won't care that I post my net worth monthly, um, I can be quote unquote, not anonymous, but yeah, the internet's a scary place. So (laughs) even with my anonymous self, I do still get a fair amount of trolls Mm. and I feel like it's a little distant for myself. So like when someone's cursing me out or calling me all these kinds of names, Mm -hmm. they're not saying it to me. And I feel like if I was putting my whole self out there, that would be a little different. And I think it would be more hurtful. (laughs) So I can be my whole self and I can just keep going. Mm. You've mentioned the meetups and I'm wondering, is um, this fire movement, is it a very communal activity or is there a strong community? Oh yeah. Super strong. Absolutely amazing. Um, The community has been the biggest shock to me. Basically, I've met the kindest people ever in my entire life from here, which is surprising to me Mm -hmm. since I usually am meeting them from the internet, (laughs) (laughs) which has a reputation. So yeah, extremely um, tight-knit community and so supportive, incredibly supportive. That sounds awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Do you see a lot of Black people in this community? I do. Um, When I joined five years ago, it was quite rare. Usually at those meetups, I was the only one. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, we're definitely getting more diverse as we grow as a community, which is amazing. Um, A lot of people are being more intentional about the content they share Mm -hmm. and making sure that it's more diverse and representative, not just including women, but people of color and people on the queer spectrum, all of these things, which is amazing and wonderful. so yeah, I'm I'm seeing more and more. For example, I went to FinCon last year and mm-hmm. the blog of the year was Rich and Regular, an African-American couple, which was, <laughs> I was screaming so loud. It was so exciting. <laughs> um, so yeah, we are here. <laughs> and there are more of us every day. Yeah. I question the accessibility of fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would love for you to comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'd love for you to expand on it first. What do you mean? Is it realistic to think about or try to reach financial independence if you don't have a relatively high income to your spending? So I don't think financial independence or FIRE is possible for everyone. Definitely not. Um, Reaching FIRE in your 30s, I do not think is possible without a high income. Just uh-huh. mathematically. But I do think that almost anyone can Im- improve their financial life at least a little bit, even if that's not necessarily saving more. If it's taking a second, which I know is difficult in our very, um, very busy lives, just trying uh-huh. to make ends meet, taking a second to figure out if there is literally anything you can change or cut that won't have an effect on your life. For example, for years, I had an iPhone with AT&T. Mm-hmm. And I was paying $100 a month for it, even though it's just a phone service. I had no emotional connection to an iPhone. I just literally didn't think about it. This is when I was trying to pay my Manhattan rent, going mm-hmm. paycheck to paycheck, being stressed about it, like not um, not going out to lunch, even though I hadn't brought a lunch because I couldn't 
afford it mm-hmm. when really there was a hundred dollars a month going out of my pocket that I didn't even think about. So when I took a second and I was like, wait, there is an exact same phone plan with Republic Wireless that is $15 a month. Nothing changes about my life. That's money in my pocket. That's what, four, five Manhattan lunches. <laughs> if I forget my lunch, <laughs> I don't have to go hungry um, that day. So yeah, um, I don't think it's possible for everyone to reach fire, but I think there's usually at least some slight improvement that you could do if you think about it. Thanks for your candor. Of course. What have been your biggest resources for learning? Books, um, and to an extent, blogs. I, when I started the journey, just devoured every book I could. Mm-hmm. Um, your Money or Your Life by Vicki Robin was a huge influence on me just because um, it finally made it click what money actually is. And it's literally the, your life that you're trading for that amount of money, right. which then made every dollar so much more precious, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that just blew my mind. And then also um, Boglehead's Guide to Investing, Random Walk Down Wall Street. I was just trying to understand um, investing at all. Right. Um, and then J.L. Collins came out with his book, Simple Path to Wealth, which is based on his blog, J.L. Collins and um, which explained investing in a really down-to-earth way. He used examples of like the beer versus beer foam in a glass. And I was like, oh yeah, okay, I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's mostly from books and then also a few blogs, but usually I read blogs more for the life story of someone mm-hmm. instead of... Um, the facts and figures. Yeah. What else are blogs really about? (laughs) (laughs) Well, some of them are very technical and great. Like Mad Scientist, when he was talking about um, the Roth IRA conversion ladder and how you can access your tax advantage accounts before you're 59 and a half, Uh that blew my mind. So that is very helpful. But yeah, I'm mostly here for the stories. Yeah, that makes sense. Speaking of work and retiring early, you brought this up earlier, but you're not going to be fulfilled by work enough to, to do it um, for 30 more years, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, or 20 more years. Um, but I personally am very career oriented and I feel, I used to say this all the time in like middle school and teachers would always kind of jeer at me which I thought was Hmm. interesting but I used to say whenever someone would ask me what I wanted to do I would name out like five different things and then I'd say but basically I'll just be like dodging retirement until I die Mm -hmm. um the way that I am I really like to be moving and I like to be doing and Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think that I'll be working for someone after a certain point because I already it already doesn't really jive with me. (laughs) All this is bringing it back to, I think I personally will be fulfilled by work. And I think that's how I'll fill most of my time. So I'm so interested in your perspective and what you will do once you retire. So it sounds like we are complete opposites, which is fine. Um, My mom and I have never felt fulfilled by work. Um, she would come home tired. Um, she worked at some of the biggest corporations in the world. Um, so like huge hierarchy, gotta wear pantyhose and heels, like super conservative. 
Um, so I grew up seeing that and was thinking, okay, well, this doesn't sound great. So I'm going to try something a little different. I'm going to start working in ad agencies because they're creative and let you wear jeans and they should be less stuffy than everything that she disliked about corporate America, right? So it is less stuffy, but I discovered that the same political nonsense and inefficiencies that she experienced in her work is basically everywhere. <laughs> um, you can't escape it, I guess, unless you start your own business, which she also tried to do and uh, failed about five times. So um, I grew up seeing, okay, so big corporate America is unfulfilling. Okay, entrepreneurship is really difficult and might not succeed. Um, so I'm going to try and find something that I don't hate. And that's part of why I kept job hopping. Like, oh, okay, this is a toxic boss. Got to go. Got to find a non-toxic boss. Oh, this client is a nightmare. Okay, find a different client. So I was just dodging these bad situations, trying to find better ones that I could stand. And that's what I found at my current job. I've been there almost four years, which is three years longer than anywhere else. <laughs> and um, I, I just don't find corporate work fulfilling because it's mostly nonsense. I think um, I inefficiency really grates on me and like 90% of corporate work is inefficient garbage. <laughs> it's status updates with other people to justify if you're doing your job. It's being on meetings because you have to, because your boss's boss wants to quote unquote see you there. It's just all this junk that doesn't actually do anything, doesn't move your business forward, doesn't move your client's business forward. Yeah, for that reason, I've never felt fulfilled by work. And when I plan to do in retirement was originally what my mom does, which is nothing. <laughs> which is planning trips, going on trips, reading. She's gotten into puzzling recently. She sees her family. She's been retired, like I said, five years. So if her sister recently had hand surgery, for example, so she went up and took care of her for two weeks. She um, was helping my cousin move a little while before that. She's basically filled her life with time with family, exploring the world, planning, and cooking, eating. That's it. Um, and she's been totally fine and fulfilled by that. So that's what I originally thought I would do in retirement as well. But I failed already because I absolutely love blogging. Um, I love writing. I love responding to comments, going to meetups, and talking to people like you. So I failed at my original plan of doing nothing. <laughs> and in retirement, I'm planning to continue writing because it really has helped me not just obviously catalog my journey, but mm -hmm. clarify my thoughts um, as I go down the journey. And also there is a serious lack of blogs of people after they retire, which is yeah. understandable because, you know, you're busy living your life instead of <laughs> typing on a computer. Mm -hmm. But I want to kind of help fill that space and be like, oh, the market crashed. How do I feel as mm -hmm. a 30-year-old retiree? Oh, what's going on over here? Um, oh, do I feel fulfilled by all these things I thought or do I not? Am I one of those people that is like, oh, actually, maybe I'll go back to work part-time just in a different field? Like, what, what's going to happen to me in yeah. 10 years? I have no idea. So um, I'm planning to keep that up, and I promised my friends that I will continue my every Tuesday blogging schedule at least a year into retirement. After that, I might slow down a little bit, but I'm going to mm -hmm. keep it up. 
indefinitely because I really enjoy it. So that is an extremely long-winded answer of <laughs> there's a long-winded question so <laughs> my thoughts on work and when I'm doing a retirement yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that's really cool I it's funny because my sister and I are very driven by work mm-hmm. um I recently found out that there's some sort of zodiac chart situation and one of your houses if you have a sign in that house it makes you more career oriented Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know any of the specifics, so I pr- I'll probably just actually cut out me saying all of that. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. I wish I was fulfilled by work. Like, I'm so jealous, but I'm just not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I mean, th- what's funny about that also is that I, I really feel you on the inefficiency situation. Mm-hmm. I cannot make myself do something if I don't see the importance of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yep. so hard. It's like pulling teeth. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's like, I don't think I'll be working in a corporate setting for very long. I, yep. I know that I'm an entrepreneur. I made this podcast, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's more than I've done. <laughs> doing it. Yeah. But this actually brings me to a different question of how how do your emotions manifest throughout this process of pursuing fire? In the beginning, um, <laughs> I was, like all my hobbies, I dive in with both feet. So um, at the beginning, I just devoured all those books that I mentioned, all the blogs. I think I read Mr. Money v- Mustache's blog start to finish in like a month, and that's hundreds of posts. Um so I did it all. I was like, oh my gosh, how's this going to work? I started making spreadsheets. I was like, oh, how am I going to be tax efficient in retirement? Okay. How do I make this Roth IRA conversion ladder work so I can access my retirement accounts? Okay. Mm-hmm. How do, where do I move in the country? So it's more tax efficient. All right. Got it. Um, so I was just doing all that. And then a couple months in, I was like, oh no, I have a plan. What do I, what do, I do? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing. And then you just live the rest of your life. Um, it's basically set it and forget it. I was like, okay, I know how much I have to save every month. Put that automatically in there. Nothing much to do. At the end of each month, I update my spreadsheet. All right, time to find a, a new thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just kept living my life because there's kind of that dip when you have a, a long-term goal. This, this yeah. is it. This is the whole thing. Um, and then right now I'm kind of like, I vacillate almost hourly when I'm working between this isn't that bad. Maybe I should just keep it up to, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, I need to quit right now. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm kind of just even keel on average. I go between this is a pretty sweet setup. I don't hate this job to what do you mean you want me to have a call at 6am on a Monday? I mm-hmm. hate it and I'm rage quitting. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, my emotions have been a little all over the place, but right now they're kind of in a really calm spot. Um, As my net worth has grown, I have felt more confidence in telling my job what I want. When before I was a complete yes woman and I was like terrified. I was just like, oh, of course I'll do whatever you say. Yeah, sure. I'll plan that summer party on top of my additional, my regular job. Oh yeah. I'll do all these internal initiatives. Sure, sure, sure. But as I went on, I was like, no, I don't have time for that. Thank you for asking. Or Mm -hmm. no, I'm not going to be on that 6am call decline. Mm -hmm. Or um, hey, boss, I don't want to work with this toxic person. Um, so I felt <clears throat> more empowered to do those kinds of things. And as a result, uh, I obviously have a better work life because I uh-huh. don't have those negative things in my life. Um, also, shockingly, being more open with what I want has actually led to um, 
me being better at my job, which I didn't expect. Um, and that's nice. based on my performance reviews. They've been just going up and up. I was like, huh, I thought they'd be like, she doesn't work well with others, but she told me she doesn't work with this person or whatever. <laughs> nope. I'm just telling it like it is. Or a client wants an unrealistic schedule. And I was like, I don't think we should do that. Here's why you want us to have a high quality product. We can't do that in a week. So I would like to do it in a week and a half. What do you think? And they're like, yeah, okay, great. I was like, there we go. So it's been a wild ride. And I wish that I'd known years ago that I could speak up for myself. That's one regret I have, but I think mm. um, I kind of needed that safety net to feel comfortable doing it. Cause like, yeah, okay. If you fire me for quote unquote, not being a team player, cause I won't work with this one person do it. Like I've got, <laughs> I've got years and years to find another job. It's totally fine. Yeah. And that's where I am. Yeah. I think that's great advice and good to know that you can advocate for yourself without fear necessarily. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I haven't been fired for any of those things that I was <laughs> afraid of. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel similarly where I jump into something once I'm interested in that like first couple months, I'm like committed to this. I basically get a tattoo about it. It's like, <laughs> you know, but that is the thing about long-term goals is it's like, it's really just setting up a system and then watching it unfold over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, motivation can be a tough one, but I did a couple things. One, I tried to keep everything in perspective. I have like 10 different kinds of charts to try and make me understand the amount of time that I have to, left in my corporate life versus what I would have if I wasn't pursuing this goal at all. So for uh -huh. example, I think I wrote a post about this. It was like um, how to stay motivated on the path to financial independence with the screenshots of these um, different graphs I'm talking about. But one of them is like for every work day I'm working, if I hadn't been pursuing fire, that would be three weeks of work days. Uh -huh. So even if I'm feeling really tired and I got up for that 6 a.m. call or whatever, uh -huh. the alternative is doing that for three weeks. I decided to use that time to improve myself because there's no point in racing towards retirement if you're not happy and fulfilled with who you are. Yeah. Um, hmm. I'm trying to decide whether or not to ask this last question. Ask it. Just, okay. <laughs> What does the pursuit of fire require you to sacrifice? So this is a funny one. I've been thinking about this because you <laughs> sent it to me uh, early. Yeah. And I, I always have a problem with the word sacrifice huh. because the definition implies that you are giving something up. And I... I believe I even wrote a post told like I haven't sacrificed anything <laughs> <laughs> financial independence because I haven't. Um, uh -huh. And I, like I said, I've the only changes I've made haven't had any negative effect on my life. Like I moved across the country so that I could have a more beautiful apartment for half the cost, uh -huh. like nothing sacrificed. I have, I changed that phone plan to okay. save all that money and there's no difference in me being able to call my mom. Um, so, I haven't sacrificed anything and I also kind of like have a knee-jerk reaction to that question because a lot of mm. people do ask it, especially in major media, and it's implied that you have to sacrifice something, mm -hmm. which I personally for myself think is a bad idea. So like if I'm sacrificing anything right now for future happiness, that means I'm choosing my future self over my now, mm. which I don't think is sustainable 
basically. Like mm-hmm. if I was literally eating rice and beans now so I could retire a year earlier and then that would require I eat rice and beans for the rest of my life. That's not what I want to do with my life. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, I personally have not sacrificed anything and I am not sure anyone should. I want a life that I love now and later and that's a hard balance to strike, but I do not delude myself that when I am retired, I'll be like instantly happy or I don't know, the sunshine and rainbows will come out. No, Mm -hmm. I'm going to still be me. And so I need to make this life currently as wonderful as I can and the life after. That's really beautiful and very funny because just this morning I was thinking about how uh, almost every choice I make is for my future self, Mm. Um, but not in a not in a bigger way, more so that I will cook and then set my plate out and then wash the dishes so that mm. the person who, <laughs> the person who I am, so that after I have eaten my meal, I only have one dish to wash. And that's very nice. That's of, so nice. Of my past me. You know? Yeah. <laughs> past you sounds lovely. My past <laughs> me is a jerk. That's future me's problem. Dang it. <laughs> yeah. That's very funny. Gives me something to chew on. (laughs) Speaking of chewing, we're on to the seedling round where Mm. small questions lead to tasty answers. What is the place that you're most looking forward to living after retirement? Oh, boy. Um, So obviously with the Rona. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> oh, I almost forgot. Ooh, I almost forgot. It's a global pandemic. Oh. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I had all these grand plans, which are currently most likely being postponed a year or two, which is mm-hmm. not the worst thing in the world. I'll have nothing but time. But after I quit in September, I was going to fly to Australia, New Zealand. Um, and then after that, I was going to go to Argentina. And then in February, I was going to live in Thailand. Yeah, I was really excited about that and will be when I get to go. A recent moment that almost made you quit. <laughs> It was that 6 a.m. Monday call. I was like, seriously, guys? What is your biggest non-essential expense? Hmm. Um, I think it's usually flights and travel. Um, Oh, I got Spotify premium recently. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not essential, but I don't think that's my biggest one. And what is your favorite quarantine activity? Since, of course, I remember. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a huge introvert, so reading on the couch for hours is a normal activity for me. Um, I guess it's also a quarantine activity. (laughs) But I haven't gotten into, like, quarantine trends of puzzling and baking or whatever. I'm just just over here living my life and uh, seeing people in person a lot less than before. Do you want to do plugs? Um... I mean, if y'all are interested in anything I've been talking about, I'm over on a purplelife.com. Is that it? Cool. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for being on the show. Of course. Thanks for having me. What a hoot and a holler we've had. (laughs) (laughs) I had a great time. (laughs) Hello. Welcome to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate that. I really appreciate you. I hope that you got something out of this. And if you learned something, if you laughed, 
If you even just like my energy, please rate, review, subscribe, and share this with your friends. That will really help for this podcast and this community to grow. That helps me get more guests, and it means I can give you more of this delicious content. Much love, Athena Sayaka.